0: the truth news network in a world where up is down and sideways is a way of life when the truth one moment is a lie the next and everything is your fault you need hope you need clarity you need tnn the truth news network
1: and dan newman That would be me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new week, a brand new week. And thank you for joining us here at TNN Live to start the week together. Can't think of a better thing to do than to be with all you folks today. want to say we didn't have a show on Friday. Nothing was wrong. I just had business I had to take care of. And um, it was very important stuff. You'll hear more about it as we move on down the road this week. But today we've got a lot to get it, get into a whole lot to get into that war in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Listen to me in Ukraine at the hands of the Russian, um, I don't know what you call them. Oppressors. It was an unprovoked war attempted invasion of Ukraine. It's still going on and there are still tragedies, horrors that take place every day. What What you need to understand as we watch all this, this is not untypical during the history of the Russian army, the military. They typically, when they invade, they did it in Crimea. They just basically go in and flatten everything. They kill people with no regard for who they are. Maybe that came from Alexander the Great. I mean, that's the way he... uh, He invaded when he was alive and had the largest army ever in history. But we never think about that in modern history. People don't do that. Governments don't do that. Vladimir Putin is doing just that. But you know what? Now, just now, three weeks into this thing, he's turned his sights on Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Everybody thought, including us here at TNN Live, we thought he was going to go in very early and take the capital and try to end this thing. But he didn't do that. And we're finding out now there are reasons he didn't do that. And there are reasons that kind of, uh, point to the big thing for why he did it. Do you remember Ed Henry? Ed Henry was a longtime announcer for Fox news. And, uh, he had some personal issues, left Fox News, and he's got a new place that he's working now. You know Laura Logan. We played her uh, audio sound bites here on Tina and Live before. Longtime CBS correspondent. Then she moved over uh, and became and still is a contributing, uh, ed- not editor, but a contributor at Fox News. Over the weekend, Laura joined Ed Henry on his show. And she made a blockbuster revelation about things that are going on in the Russia-Ukraine deal, explains a lot. Haven't you felt like, going through this, that something's just not right? It's like, we're hearing part of what is really happening, but not all of what is really happening, and why all of these things are happening. We're going to go to that uh, interview it, was, it, it just blew my mind. Someone forwarded it to me over the weekend. I can't remember who it was. I have a lot of people that send me links all the time. And for those of you who are doing that, let me just say thank you. I really appreciate that because we get a lot of information. You know, all we do here is dig, but there are so many sources around the world that have really good information. It's impossible for a daily show to get all of it in front of us. And then when we do, if we do, we wouldn't have time in two hours to share it all. So what we do is we glean the most important, the things that we feel like are most critical, and we bring those to you. Uh, Ukrainian officials, they, uh, they weighed in with all the horror going on over there about Russia's request to lay down their arms and surrender Mariupol by today. And here's what the Ukranska Pravda news portal cited Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister Vereshuk sent to Vladimir Putin. It ain't going to be happening. There can be no question of any surrender laying down of ours. Not going to lay down our arms. We're not going to surrender. We're going to stay for the long haul. Folks, this is exactly opposite of what Vladimir Putin thought the way this was going to go. He thought he could march in there and um, just do his thing and they'd lay down and not do anything. That didn't happen. Why, oh why, is this not happening? There are so many unknown things, things that we think, things mainstream media are cramming down our throats. And we really don't have any explanation for it all. As much as we think about it, as hard as we try to get it, nothing's happened so far. And we, I mean, this this was always painted to be, you know, Vladimir Putin had a cause. He was going to go in and take Ukraine. He was going to finish up what he went and did in Georgia in 2014, um, what he did In Crimea last year, he's planning to do the same thing this year for the whole of Ukraine. I'm not so sure that's what is going on. Why would you think that, Dan? Well, listen, if you want to take a country, and there are a lot of reasons why you want to take that country, and certainly the things you want to preserve are the things that are are going to operate and function normally. You don't want the people to be all dead. You don't want all of the infrastructure to be obliterated. You certainly don't want the buildings, all kinds of buildings to be leveled because then if you take it, you own it, you got to redo everything. Think about that. Think of the why. We're going to get right to it in just a little bit. Um, There's some big news about the Ukrainian people and how they're responding in all this. Putin's actually now being accused of deporting Ukrainians to filtration centers. That's a new name. Filtration centers. Before forcibly taking them to remote Siberian towns after they confiscate their phones and documents. Several thousand people have so far been taken, according to Mariupol City Council, before being processed through those filtration camps and sent to remote cities in Russia, where they'll be obliged to stay for years and work for free. European Union Foreign Policy Chief Joseph Borrell said before he chaired a meeting of the bloc's foreign ministers in Brussels, he said that what's happening in Mariupol is a massive war crime, destroying everything, bombarding and killing everybody in an indiscriminate manner. This is something awful. And then on the other side, the Russian side, Russian news agencies reported buses carrying hundreds of refugees from the besieged southeastern port city of Mariupol had arrived in Russia. Moscow officials said a trainload of over 280 Ukrainians were being rescued from Mariupol, showing footage of them thanking Russian forces. The mayor of that city, Mariupol, Mayor Vadim Bolchenko likened the alleged forced deportation to transportation of prisoners by the Nazis during World War II. He said this, what the occupiers are doing today is familiar to the older generation who saw the horrific events of World War II when the Nazis forcibly captured people. It's hard to imagine that in the 21st century, people can be forcibly taken to another country. Mariupol is in the throes of a humanitarian emergency after they have been encircled by Russian troops, cut off from energy, food, and water supplies, facing a relentless bombardment. Russia Colonel General Mikhail Mistsev, late on Sunday, demanded that Ukrainian troops and foreign mercenaries in the Black Sea port they lay down their weapons, surrender, in return for letting tens of thousands of civilians trapped in the heavily besieged city leave safety. Mazintsev said those who laid down their arms and raised white flags would be allowed to leave via humanitarian corridors. Those things haven't worked out so good for the Ukrainians. Russia will declare them, and then when it's time and the people begin to go down these corridors to get away, they're attacking them, the Russians are. Civilians then would be evacuated afterwards. He gave Ukraine until 5 a.m. today to respond. And we gave you the answer. They said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to walk away. We're not going to quit. So in the middle of all of this horror, it looks like somebody else is about to invade Ukraine. Who would that be? Belarus. Ukraine's Ministry of Defense yesterday claimed that Belarus, their neighbor to the north, said that Belarus is preparing its military to invade Ukraine before warning Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, who's an ally of Putin, there are signs of preparation that Belarus will carry out the direct invasion of the territory of Ukraine. That's what the defense minister posted in social media. Did not provide evidence for the claim, nor did it give any other details. The direct involvement of Belarusian troops in Russia's armed aggression against Ukraine, against the will of ordinary soldiers, and the big majority of the Belarusian people, by the way. Army doesn't want to go. People don't want them to go. Um, That would be a fatal mistake for Alexander Lukashenko, the ministry editor. In Belarus, they've not said a thing. No public comment. It's just out there floating around, just floating around. Why don't we do this? I waited a few moments and wanted to give you these updates before we went there. But I talked about Ed Henry, former anchor, longtime anchor at Fox News. He left Fox and he's with an independent agency now. Yesterday had Laura Logan on. Laura Logan, longtime special correspondent for CBS News. She does a lot of work now for Fox News, uh, especially Fox News Online. And she's on their show a lot. Well, she appeared with Ed Henry discussing these questions that you and I, many are asking. What's going on? This isn't like a traditional war. Vladimir Putin didn't go in and just flood everything, just blowing everything away in his path. And It all, everybody felt like because, you know, you take the capital city, everybody else is just going to give up. He didn't go to Kiev. He started hitting various spots around the nation. Why is that? Listen to this. Now, this is, this is a real interview and it's full of very important things for you to think about. Laura Logan is one of the best investigative reporters on earth. There's nobody that will counter that. She's really good. She's very thorough. And she is literally an investigator. And she goes crazy getting facts. Listen to Laura Logan
2: on the Ed Henry Show. The Daily Mail has a very interesting story that's saying uh, that Vladimir Putin essentially may be running out of bullets, that he might have a week and a half, two weeks max, he's losing warplanes, tanks, all the rest of it. He obviously went into this thinking he was going to bulldoze his way through Ukraine. He's obviously caused a lot of destruction, don't want to minimize the fact there's over two million refugees, but this has not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected.
3: I don't buy it for a second. And I'll be honest with you. I really mm. think that um, there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years, and I have never seen people with their nails done in the Ukrainian flag Right? I mean, we're being corralled into this box where we either have to hate Vladimir Putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love Ukraine, and there's no in-between. And that reminds me a lot of, you're either, you know, um, a white supremacist or you go with the Democrat narrative on everything under the sun. So, um, Vladimir Putin knew exactly what he was doing when he went into Ukraine. The Russian military isn't perfect. They, for example, I've spoken to multiple defense specialists and intelligence specialists from a defense intelligence agency who have studied the Russian military for years. They do have difficulty mounting complex air operations because they do very little um, training hours in comparison to, for example, the United States um, air assets, right, our fighter jet pilots. But Russia um, is not struggling. Uh, What Russia has done from the very beginning has been very strategic. They didn't go straight to Kiev. They went to all those uh, bioweapons laboratories that are scattered all over the country. Some of them they built, so they know where they Mm -hmm. are. They've known where they are since the Soviet Union. Because under the Defense Threat Reduction program, um, we went in after the fall of the Soviet Union and supposedly turned those facilities in from bioweapons labs into public health labs. Although um, you know these days it's hard to believe anything that our leaders tell us because they've lied about COVID, they lied about Russia collusion, they lied about you, the Ukraine impeachment trial. and there's so much more going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. You see such dishonesty when it comes to the history of Ukraine. You see dishonesty when it comes to the Azov Battalion, which is funded by the U.S. and NATO. I mean, you can find pictures of them online holding up the NATO flag and the swastika at the same time. Their own emblem mm-hmm. contains the black son of the occult, which was a Nazi SS emblem. And it also contains the sideways, you know, uh, lightning insignia of the SS. I mean, this is on... Throughout the Ukrainian military, you can see that black son of the occult on their uh, body armor, even on the female soldiers who are paraded in front of the world as being, you know, such an example of Ukraine's um, independence and spirit and nobility. Even they are wearing the black son of the occult. And, you know, the, we want the White House wants you to believe, well, this doesn't matter. It's just a small number of troops. It's not true. The Azov battalion has been murdering its way through eastern Ukraine. Yeah. We don't want to admit this. This was why... Crimea voted for independence. This is why you're Crimea talking. wanted to be with Russia because sure. we in the media in the western media and in the west won't acknowledge the reality of what's gone on. Western Ukraine backed the Nazis. It was a headquarters for the Nazi SS. The CIA and under Alan Dulles yeah. actually gave immunity from prosecution to the Nazis of Ukraine hmm. from the Nuremberg trials. So, um, There's a long history of the United States and our intelligence agencies funding and arming Nazis in Ukraine. These are not like neo-Nazi groups that sprung up. These are the actual Nazis from the Second World War, who, if you go back to the Nuremberg Trials, said that they were planning for a thousand-year rife. And so you have to really wonder as you look at this, when you know that the CIA sponsored the color revolution in Ukraine in 2013 and 14, that they selected Ukraine's leaders, go to, the, um, go to Victoria Nuland's leaked phone conversation, where she and the U.S. ambassador are deciding who can lead Ukraine. I mean, there's just as much interference here as you could possibly imagine before you even get to Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, Mm -hmm. and Mitt Romney and all of their children who are employed who earn millions from Ukrainian. You are
2: pointing. Yeah, you're pointing, pardon me, to a real credibility crisis for our leaders. I wanna let Karen Turk jump in. Yeah, I,
3: I wanted to bring up the fact that
4: President Zelensky is Jewish and I don't know exactly how this factors in, but there's some very interesting points in what you're saying and Looking at this, you, know, you could think it's political theatrics, you, you know, made a very good point at the beginning that you think that Putin is con- in control. And I actually want to play something that Jen Psaki said, because it seems that the White House is actually echoing that sentiment. Watch this. Well, the end game is really a question for President Putin. We have, we have completely crushed his economy. Uh, we have provided military assistance, humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainians, enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. Uh, and again, he has, to, uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for, like for him. Thanks, everyone. He's determining what this looks like,
3: and I think that's a lot of what you said, Laura. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, what you just watched. What troubles me about the moment that we're in is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defend. you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. Putin. My job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being lied to on an epic scale when we're told your only choices, you have to be a hundred percent with zelensky who's a puppet who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants you know with shirtless doing a spoof dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video that's a mock of a ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic occult type of music video and i mean zelensky was selected like so many of our leaders and honestly with with big tech and with election fraud these days we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in but what we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world because look at what's happening with covid look at what has happened globally we are fighting the same battles all over the world to pretend that this war is about russia and ukraine is a just a barefaced lie yeah. if Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine, Ukrainian yeah. oligarchs. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for you know many of the leaders in this country for how long? Billions of US dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. These are our tax dollars. I mean, before the impeachment trial, had you ever heard? of anyone in the United States. I mean, us bringing in foreign governments to the White House for anti-corruption right. training. I mean, does nobody question these things? Why do we not question them? We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, hmm. who goes at the impeachment trial and sits there as a Lieutenant Colonel. He didn't even make Colonel. And he's telling the President of the United States what his policy should be. You have a traitor in the form of Maria Jovanovic who was Obama's ambassador Who's telling ukrainian mm-hmm. government officials don't listen to the will of the american people don't listen to well, the election results we are the true leaders of america i mean and then people object when the woman isn't even fired she's given a cushy job for life at georgetown university at the expense of the u.s taxpayer and we're told that the president of the united states cannot say to his foreign counterparts You know, that we want you to look into something. But Joe Biden can withhold as much aid as he wants to. I mean, there's so much hypocrisy and dishonesty here. And Ukraine is at the center of it all. Go back to Russia collusion. Go to Alexander Chalupa. Go to Eric Caramella, the the whistleblower who went to work for Adam Schiff, who wasn't really a whistleblower, and all those corrupt people in the deep state. And you know what? The deep state isn't a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual deep state. Look up the SES, the Senior Executive Service, because when that bureaucracy was ushered into law in the United States of America, that's when we got a bunch of unelected bureaucrats. pulling the strings behind the scenes and these are Laura, the people that keep lying to
2: us absolutely and pardon me we've got a, a live chat where we're streaming on getter for example and i'm watching it as you're talking people are talking about how you're dropping truth bombs and you're a real journalist and i know that having worked alongside you for many many years when you're at cbs and many other places and maybe they didn't want to hear the truth but you're dropping those truth bombs now unfortunately we got to hit a break right now we'd love to have you back in the days ahead we love having you on Lara logan thanks for joining us on real america's voice
3: Thank you so much.
1: Can you believe what you just heard? Did you make sense of it all? I know this won't shock you. Things are not quite like we think they are. Now, is Laura Logan, is she dead right about all of this? I got to be honest with you. As we tell you here all the time, we investigate, we bring you things. Sometimes we haven't yet been able to confirm them ourselves, and we tell you that. Many of the things that she said have been being given as ideas and thoughts and explanations for the way Russia has invaded Ukraine. We mentioned it going in before we went to this interview. Why did he go to these different spots around the country? He went first up to the northeast, then to the northwest, then to the southwest, the southeast. Folks biological laboratories, and you heard her say Putin knew where those laboratories were pretty much because, if not all of them, some of them he set up himself when he was in the old Soviet Union and he was KGB. He knew all about them. Is that exactly positively for true, the reasoning for the way Putin is invaded? I can't say it. I can't get in the man's head. I don't know what he knows. I don't know why he does what he does. Just like you don't know what I think and you don't know why I do what I do and vice versa. But folks, something hasn't rang true about all of this Ukraine, Russia stuff. And Volodymyr Zelensky, he's a hero to his people. He is. I mean, I don't remember a nation's leader in my lifetime that addressed something like this the way he has and has stuck to his guns. I will say this, he possibly is a puppet, as Laura Logan said he is. I don't know that yet. We're going to have to watch, and folks in the bigger picture of this whole thing, we could be on the brink of World War III. I hate to even think that. I hate to say it. But it could be happening. A lot of it could be for the way our leadership has handled this thing. I can tell you this. We've heard Russia, 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 Russia. We've heard Ukraine, 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 China, China, China. All of that is directly tied to the President of the United States, and we have been revealing circumstance after circumstance, fact after fact, about money and the Biden name. And that money attached to the Biden name, it comes from Ukraine, from Russia, and from China. Folks, where there's smoke, there's fire. When it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. There's something going on here. There's some reason why some things aren't going on here. All of it at the behest of the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And to put that in perspective, folks, Joe Biden's not doing real well right now. Can you comprehend where we are literally facing World War III and the President of the United States has lost his way about anything and everything? Every day we watch him embarrass himself on National shows, on interviews, giving speeches, even press briefings in his own White House or the fake White House. And he has no idea of so many simple things, or at least he can't put them together. And he's the one that holds the nuclear suitcase? You know, the one that could start a World War III nuclear war? That's who's doing it. Sky News, our buddies from Australia, they weighed in over the weekend about what they see in our president.
5: As the situation in Ukraine worsens, it's become increasingly clear that American weakness can have damaging consequences. Have a look at this today from President Biden.
2: She
6: was the former governor of the state of uh, yes. Michigan. Michigan, wrong. She was a former state, she, she was a governor. And Ambassador Leonard Thomas Greenhouse, Greenfield, excuse me, who is has a little change in the arrangement, who's on the stage because of the first lady's husband uh, contracting COVID, but uh, that's right,
2: she's fine. It's me, <laughs> that's not together. The second lady, the first gentleman,
5: It'd be funny if it wasn't serious. I mean, it's, it's not just one embarrassing faux pas. Time and time again, it's consistent, it's embarrassing, it's dangerous, just at a time when Western leadership is more important than any other time in our history since the Second World War. Joining me now to discuss this and a whole lot more around the world in international politics, my wonderful Wednesday panellist Sky News host, Corey Bernardi, and The Daily Telegraph's political editor and an out- outsider's stalwart, James Morrow, Corey, is it any wonder why Putin and she and almost every other bad guy around the world isn't scared of this bloke?
0: Peter, I think you summed it up. The world is at a critical juncture and uh, Joe Biden is the leader we don't need right now. Little wonder uh, these other leaders are chancing their arm. They know America is weak. It is deeply compromised. And I have to say, Peter, it's not Joe Biden's fault. I mean, uh, the cognitive decline is obvious. It's clear. Uh, it is a progress of his ageing. But the people who put him there, the Democrats who nominated him, knew this was happening and they have done America a huge disservice, the consequences of which we are all going to be paying the price of in world peace, Peter.
5: Well, we were talking about Mean Girls before, a reference to Kimberly Kitching. I have to say, sometimes the look of Biden, James Morrow, and I think of Weekend and Bernie's.
7: Yeah, well, it is weakened and birdies. But here's the the much deeper problem, Peter. It's that, you know, beyond Joe Biden, there's not a very deep bench here. Uh, Back in 1938, 39, you had FDR, you had Winston Churchill, you had Charles de Gaulle out there on the world stage uh, fighting for freedom, fighting for the West. Who do you have here? Joe Biden. And then if he goes, who is it, Kamala Harris? Seriously? I mean, This is a woman who just stands and cackles inappropriately at absolutely everything. She doesn't know where she is. She's north flank, east flank. Did you see that the other day? She is everything that they joked about what Sarah Palin would be as vice president, absolutely brought to life. She's Joe Biden's best insurance policy in the job. But as you say, no wonder that Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, all of the other bad guys, the Ayatollahs, they're all just sitting back and laughing and saying, we're going to take as much as we can while these clowns are in office.
1: Those are all very salient points that we need to consider and contemplate. But folks, at the end of the day, it all adds up to this. Our nation's in trouble. I mean, you might say, Dan, we're not in trouble. Just look at Ukraine. Look at what's happening over there before our very eyes. That's my point, folks. That's my point. Conventional wisdom tells you that Vladimir Putin If there was a strong leader in the United States of America, the way American presidents in the past have always operated their administrations, Vladimir Putin wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. China wouldn't seriously be planning on doing that invasion. Southeast Asia, taking Taiwan. But that's what they're doing. Belarus wouldn't be thinking about joining Vladimir Putin in the invasion into Ukraine if there was a strong individual in the White House. And we're looking down the throats of World War III with the weakest, the most cognitively challenged president in my lifetime. And that goes all the way back to Dwight Eisenhower. It's a scary thing, folks, but it's real. It's real. And if the picture that Laura Logan painted is a truthful picture, there's a much bigger thing going on. It's all coordinated by a bunch of filthy, rich, very politically connected, entrenched in far left politics for generations that are pushing these buttons, especially over in Europe. And let me just say this about Europe I haven't spent a lot of time there. But I spent a long time, more than a month and probably about about six weeks in in, uh, Zurich, Switzerland, surrounding area. And then I spent about two and a half or three weeks in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. One stop in uh, Hong Kong, one in Japan. And I found out the way we think people around the world think about the United States is not the way, at least in those places, people think about us. We get laughed at a lot, I mean a lot. They don't think that we are the superior power on the planet Earth. They don't think we're the leaders of everybody on the planet. They look at us as Yankees. If I heard that overseas once, I heard it a thousand times, Yankees. They think we're a bunch of cowboys, folks. We don't have a lot of sense. They've been around far longer than we have, so therefore they know far more than we know. And we're just a bunch of cowboys that we do everything. We fly by the seat of our pants. We just pull a gun out and shoot. They're the Stoics among the world's population, the ones that were given everything to build the foundation of not a country, but the globe. Those people are the reason for the term globalist. They think that we need one government on the planet. And of course, if we ever get to that, you know they want to be at the top of the heap. And they are at the top of the heap right now behind the scenes. They have the money, they have the power, and they have the politics in their favor. It's a dangerous world that we're living in. And if that scenario painted by Laura Logan is actual, we're really in a tough spot. We'll find a way to get out of it, hopefully. But it's not going to happen easily. And it's not going to be Joe Biden who does it. I'll repeat that. I think we'll get out of it. But if we do... It will not be because Joe Biden is the one that did it. Why do I say that? In his cognitive condition, he can't do it, folks. He doesn't have the strength mentally to be able to walk through any scenario in which he would have to take demonstrative plans sufficient to overcome what you just heard Laura Logan talk about and what others have been talking about for months now. This is not about Ukraine. This is not about Russia. This is not about the United States or any other single country on the planet. It's about seizing power over others. Forget about government. Just seizing power and taking control of everybody on the planet. I can't believe it. Like we playing four on four with a barbershop quartet?
0: Pass the ball, pass the rock. We're open, just pass
8: the ball Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico Yeah Shoot
9: Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance For more unbelievable Geico videos give subscribe and click summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 best value brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance event today.
3: For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image from Kelly Blue Book. Visit
0: KBB.com for more information.
1: The stages may be bare, but the show goes on.
0: With the iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Every week, we play an entire
9: cast album and give you behind-the-scenes stories from the show's stars. This Saturday, Moulin Rouge! Welcome to the Moulin Rouge! This is Danny Burstein from Moulin Rouge! The Musical, and you're listening to iHeartRadio Broadway. The
3: iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Today at 2 at iHeartRadioBroadway.com.
9: Driven by Mercedes-AMG. Driving Performance. Here's to choice, to making your voice be heard, to getting exactly what you want, especially when you eat. At Subway restaurants, you choose your freshly baked bread, meats, cheese, and veggies to make a sub that's just right for you. Come in and create yours today. Subway, eat fresh.
0: Tired of your allies falling to the pressure of the big lie? Come, take a breath with the
1: truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, originally the big lie was Donald Trump's, of course. That's when he said they stole the election from us back in... 2020 and they turned that they being the Democrats determined that his saying that is the big lie we're finding out now more and more every day every couple of days every week more and more the real big lie is what's happening over there and why it's happening in Europe a lot of moving parts folks a lot of moving parts we're on top of it we're going to stay there uh, I think it's bigger, and I think it's about more than just Ukraine and Russia's invasion. Exactly what else is there out there, we're watching it closely, and we'll we'll get to it as soon as we get any facts about any other stuff going on. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin has laid out several demands for Ukraine, and uh, he did it during a phone call with Turkish President Erdogan. Now, Erdogan, he's a tough guy. He is a hardcore Iranian. He really is. He is an Iranian guy, and he is totally committed to the religion and the nations in the Middle East that are like-minded with him. Now, Vladimir Putin called him, gave him these demands for Ukraine, and they can be divided into two parts. The first four articles appear to be possible common ground for both sides. That's a good thing. Basically, the first is Ukraine's neutrality, that is, its withdrawal from NATO membership, which it's not even a member yet, but most people think it's just a matter of time that uh, the United States and our pressure in NATO will end up having Ukraine as a member. Second, he demands disarmament and mutual security guarantees in the context of the Austrian model. Third, is the process that the Russian side refers to as denazification. Fourth, removing obstacles to the widespread use of Russian in Ukraine. So those, to me, they don't sound like they're any big deal, pretty much especially since NATO, which is the big banana, NATO's not a deal for Ukraine, and Zelensky's already come out and said that's never going to happen. Some progress has been made in those four topics, but it's too early to say that there's potentially a full agreement that could be reached because of those two most difficult issues. Putin said he would require Ukraine to recognize Russia's annexation of Crimea and admit the independence of the Donbass, a disputed region in southeastern Ukraine. Putin recognized the independence of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic, two separatist territories in the Donbass, days before he ordered the full invasion of Ukraine. He told Erdogan, Turkey president, he would hold talks with Ukrainian President Zelensky personally, about the territory-related issues if the two sides reach common ground on the first four. Hmm. That's a big if, in my opinion. Zelensky's been asking Putin to talk with him directly after the war broke out almost daily. He proposed again over the weekend that disputes between Russia and Ukraine be solved through meaningful talks. Negotiations on peace, on security for us— For Ukraine, meaningful, fair, and without delay are the only chance for Russia to reduce the damage from its own mistakes. That's Zelensky talking. He also warned that the war would cause huge losses to Russia, which they're already experiencing, if the two sides don't reach a timely end to the war. Otherwise, Russia's losses will be so huge that several generations will not be enough to rebound. That's a big, 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 big thing for Volodymyr Zelensky to say. It's a threat. Oh my gosh, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. Now We're keeping our eyes on the big news of the day. Anything and everything that happened. It's Monday. All kind of stuff breaks out on Monday that just wasn't reported on on the weekend. We're watching it. And during breaks here, what we do is go and see what the latest is to make sure We have it for you. So right smack dab in the middle of our global holocaust, and it's really not yet, but it looks like it might get there, over in Ukraine, Joe Biden decided that he's on track. He's going to boost Iranian oil while impeding Israeli gas exports to Europe. Now figure this out with me. Russia's invasion has put the global energy market into a state of panic, forcing the U.S. and Europe to find substitutes for Russian oil and gas. So while that's been going on, the Biden administration, they turned to Iran as a potential supplier. And that was just two months after effectively killing an Israeli pipeline project that would have supplied natural gas to all of Europe. So Biden's decision to engage Iran, a decades-long adversary of the U.S., I don't need to tell you that, about their supplying energy while opposing at the same time a close ally's energy product, that's making waves on Capitol Hill. You can book it. It's feeding concerns among a lot of experts that he rewards foes and punishes friends in the Middle East. He, of course, is Joe Biden. After Joe announced a ban on our imports of Russian earlier this month, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she said, talks of oil was part of negotiations to to derive and put back on the table that 2015 nuclear deal with Iran. Senior officials, including Transportation Secretary Peter Buttigieg, what in the heck he's doing at the table about this, I don't know. Anyway, but Pete and everybody else have declined to rule out buying Iranian oil, saying all options are on the table. Meanwhile, U.S. negotiators have been working with foreign diplomats in Vienna, Austria, to revive that nuclear deal. The deal, which it looks like it's going to happen, folks, the deal, if it does happen the way it's written now, will allow Iran to quickly gain access to $86.1 billion to $130.5 billion. In other words, it's $50 billion or, or $50 less. That's the foreign assets that currently are not fully accessible for them, and they own it. All parties involved were closing in on an agreement until the U.S. and the European Union imposed sweeping sanctions on Russia For invading Ukraine, Moscow then demanded that future trade with Iran not be affected by Western sanctions, leading talks to be suspended last week. On Tuesday, last Tuesday, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said he had received written guarantees from the U.S. that Russia's demands would be met. According to reports, Russia said it would accept those guarantees, paving the way for a nuclear deal to be struck soon perhaps, imminently. His words. If that agreement is figured out, they get it all figured out, they get it finalized, sanctions on Iran's oil exports are going to be lifted. Iran will then be able to ship an additional 500,000 barrels of oil per day to international markets from April to May and could reach an additional 1.3 million barrels per day by the end of the year. But, but, it may take Iran longer to ramp up production. Hmm, no guarantees there. Sound like a great deal, right? But we may have a problem getting the oil together. Iran has capped its wells. It does not have the ability to just ramp up oil production in a split second. If it did, it would probably move its oil exports from 1 million barrels of oil a day to just around 2 million barrels. They don't have the tanker capacity to do this. They don't have the ability to just suddenly ramp up. 1 million barrels of oil on the global market is nice, but it is entirely insufficient on its own. Novel idea. I'm just thinking about this, Mr. President. You know, you want to give Iran the, the marketplace that we have here for oil you know the one we snatched away from russia um they said it's going to take a while to get ramped up they've uh, they've shut down some of their oil production why not just do it here why not just instead of talking to the mullahs in iran about oil and the military and all that kind of stuff why don't you just call our domestic petroleum producer CEOs, bring them into the Oval Office with you, sit around that table and ask them what they could do and how quickly they could do it. I can tell you, I've talked to several of them and they tell me in 45 days, they could be flowing oil sufficient as it was in October a year ago when we were declared to be energy independent. Six weeks And, oh, I don't know if you know this, Mr. President, but that would be coming out of our wells and our country, our employees. You know, a lot of those that you put on the bench your first day in office, they would be back in the saddle taking care of the United States of America, not everybody else on planet Earth. So even if Iran doesn't do this, if they don't do the oil stuff, they're still going to be looking to cut this deal with Iran. For some reason, Joe Biden, John Kerry are all in to get in bed with Iran. You know that nation that screams death to Israel and death to the America. United States of America and Israel, they're two biggest foes. They hate us. They want us dead. They say that. And yet we want to put them in the business, make them a bunch of money, make them richer than they are so the mullahs can take it, which they always do. They don't; It doesn't trickle down out into the people. And if we start buying oil from them, we're going to be obligated to them. We're going to be in a jam with them like we were with Russia when we can produce it all ourselves. I'll never understand that. I just don't get it. You probably heard We have some Supreme Court justice nominee hearings taking on in the Senate this week. Joe Biden's Supreme Court pick, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, she sits in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee for hearings. And I got to tell you, they're going to be brutal. They're going to be brutal. Democrats, they just have a slim little control of the Senate. And in the context of that, keep that in your mind, She received three GOP votes in the past for her confirmation to that federal appellate court. That's not a big, big, big margin of support going into hearings to become a Supreme Court justice. Republicans don't intend to let her off easy either. They've already started raising some concerns on everything from her past work as a public defender. She represented Guantanamo Bay detainees and whether she was too lenient on sex offenders as a district court judge. The problem is, now this is Josh Hawley, Senator from Missouri. He said, the problem is, I haven't been able to find a single case where she had a child porn offender, a pedophile in front of her, where she hasn't given him the most lenient sentence she possibly could. Now, when Hawley voiced that over the weekend, I mean, antennas went up on everybody's heads. You you can't even think about having a Supreme Court justice that feels that way about serious criminals, sex offenders. The White House dismissed Holly's claims as conspiracy theory. Of course, that's what they always do. And they pointed to fact checks by the Washington Post. Oh, we love and we we believe everything they tell us. Judge Jackson is a proud mother of two whose nomination has been endorsed by leading law enforcement organizations, conservative judges, survivors of crime. That's from White House spokesman Andrew Bates. This is toxic and weakly presented misinformation. It relies on taking cherry-picked elements of a record out of context, and it buckles under the light of scrutiny. Meanwhile, on the other side, Democrats have touted what they say or Jackson's stellar credentials even handed judicial record and bipartisan support she's been endorsed by judge thomas griffith the well-known retired conservative federal judge as well as law enforcement groups like the fraternal order of police senate judiciary committee chairman dick durbin out of illinois quote her qualifications are exceptional In every role she's held, she has earned a reputation for thoughtfulness, even-handedness, and collegiality. And just as impressive as Judge Jackson Record is her character and her temperament. Humble, personable, she's dedicated herself to making our legal system more understandable and more accessible for everyone who came in her courtroom. None of those people said anything about what Josh Hawley had to say, other than, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. They take it out of con- context. Who is she? She has a Harvard Law School degree. She was most recently confirmed last spring, and it wasn't a big margin, 5344 vote to serve on the very powerful U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. She previously was a Senate-confirmed federal district judge, member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, a federal public defender, and a private attorney at four elite laws, uh, law firms. So this is the first four days of hearings now. Today, the 21st through the 25th. The long days of questioning for Jackson are going to be tomorrow and Wednesday. They're going to do introductory stuff today. Uh, they, they're they scheduled to start about six minutes from now. Opening statements, 10 minutes from each of the 22 uh, jury ju- uh, jury, Judiciary Committee members Five minutes from the outside Introducers who are right Retired Federal Appeals Court Judge Thomas Griffith and Professor Lisa Fairfax of the University Of Pennsylvania and ten minutes From Judge Jackson herself Tomorrow this is when She gets on the hot seat So if you're going to watch any of it I encourage you watch Them tomorrow today is just An introduction And it's all going to be fluff and stuff today. Tomorrow, they'll get into the real stuff. And folks, this is probably the most important appointment and uh, the discussion about the appointee that we've ever had regarding the U.S. Supreme Court. We're in an era of politics where politics has consumed everything in our government. It's supposed to be completely separate from the judiciary. The judiciary... They're supposed to be totally deaf to politics on every matter. This judge has not been. Her cases that I've read, and I've read five of them, none of them show that she is an impartial judge. And every one of those five that I saw, she was making her decisions based politically. And three of her big decisions were overturned by a higher court. That concerns me. And it should concern everybody. Because today, folks, we can't go down the road where we have politicians wearing wearing the robes in the Supreme Court. We just can't do it. It can't be political. It's got to be 100% constitutional. And this thing about inferring what the founders meant for 2022. They didn't mean squat for 2022. They meant, here's the law, keep it this way, make it count, but always come back to this structure. And everything will be okay in the legal system if you do that.
0: Powerful. Insightful. Truthful. TNN. The Truth News Network. American Ladders and
6: Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American
3: Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher.
6: The I'm crazy hungry so She's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese. Because I don't know everything, but I do know when my girl's feeling.
9: Hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves. Like the Big Mac. Quarter pounder with cheese. 10-piece chicken McNuggets or filet of fish And get another for just a dollar. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value.
0: Relaxing, unclenching, finding the real truth. TNN. And again, your host, Dan Newman.
1: You know the name Peter Schweitzer. Peter Schweitzer is a contributor to multiple news outlets. He's written all kinds of books. And his latest one, according to Schweitzer, he says that the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop show that his father who's the president, by the way, was the beneficiary of funds from very influential people in Ukraine, in China, and in Russia. There's a couple of things people have to keep in mind, he said over the weekend, Schweitzer, The first is, if you look at the three big flashpoints in American foreign policy today, and we all know what those are, Ukraine, Russia, and China. The Biden family has received money, 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 millions of dollars in some cases, tens of millions of dollars from very powerful individuals connected to the government in each of those three countries. That's the first factor. Yeah, mean that could be, if it was me, all that money, that could be the first and last one that mattered to me. But he wasn't through, Schweitzer said. The second factor is this just isn't just a Hunter Biden story. The New York Times tries to paint it that way. The headline is even Hunter Biden pays his back taxes, but broad investigation continues. But you're right. They admit that the laptop is real now. I guess you heard that. You know, it was always fake, fake. It was Russia disinformation. Now, all of the big media companies that did that, they're saying, well, yeah, you know, they admit that it's real and what the laptop reveals is that Hunter Biden received these funds, but the president of the United States, Joe Biden, was a recipient and a beneficiary of those funds. Hunter and Joe had intermingled finances. Hunter was paying monthly bills. He was paying for repairs on daddy's house. So this is a story that goes straight to the president. in each of these countries, especially China, has a policy of using commercial ties, financial ties, as leverage over their foreign elitist. And they clearly have that, in this case with Joe Biden. More news is coming out, folks. I've thought from the very beginning. You know all that Ukraine Burisma holding things where Joe makes the big, well, you know, I told them if they hadn't fired that prosecutor that was looking into my son's company, Burisma Holdings, They've got six hours to do it, and if they don't do it, we've got a million-dollar loan guarantee. I've got it in my pocket for the people of Ukraine. They can't get the money. It's got to be guaranteed, the loan is, and they ask us to do it. Well, we're going to do it, but we're not going to do it unless that prosecutor is fired before I leave six hours from now and fly back to the U.S., And as Joe phrased it when he was bragging about it, we saw it on television, we played it here over and over and over again, son of a bee, they fired the guy. I made them fire the guy. Yeah, you blackmailed them. Nobody thought on the left, nobody thought anything about that, and maybe it's understandable. That's the way the left thinks about a lot of things. Just let it slide. Fly by the seat of your pants. It doesn't matter what you do or what you say. We got your back, and we're going to make sure you don't pay a price for any kind of wrongdoing. But when any Republican in leadership in Congress or, of course, in the White House, any Republican slips and says the wrong thing, maybe intimates something, talking about a big deal or something going on, or even alleged to have done something wrong. He's or she is damned to hell and nothing ever is going to be good that comes out of that person's mouth again and everything they said previously was not true. It's just a shame that politics is the framework of everything we think about or talk about when it comes to government. Our default place to go is what's the political perspective of it? And if it doesn't fit that narrative, ours, then we're convinced. It's a conspiracy theory. It has no merit whatsoever. You know, we've been talking about the southern border and the illegal drugs that are just flooding our nation. Uh, I mean, literally, folks, flooding our nation. The latest is just horrible. At least seven people at a juvenile detention and rehab center. Now, think about that. Seven people at a juvenile detention rehab center. Kids, in other words. This happened in Ohio. They were hospitalized yesterday after fentanyl was released through the air vents. Now, how did this happen? Three correction officers for juveniles at the Northwest Ohio Juvenile Detention Training and Rehab Center in Stryker, Ohio, were taken to the hospital. It was a bad case of it, folks. The sheriff's office there and the fire department responded about 8.30 yesterday, that's last night, after reports that detainees had collapsed. Chief Deputy Jeff Lehman said everyone is stable and expected to recover. So the first responders found that fentanyl had been released in the air ventilation system. Authorities are investigating Didn't say how fentanyl wound up in the ventilation system. Other detainees at the center have been moved next door to the Correction Center of Northwest Ohio. They're being kept separate from the adults. No explanation. I mean, folks, in the ventilation system, that means here's the way it would happen. Somebody gets a pipe, puts it in the pipe, lights the pipe, and the vapors get in the ventilation system. And if somebody was doing it purposefully, you didn't have to have the pipe. Just get a, a bowl or something and light it and let it hold it up and let it go up in the ventilation system. One thing I can guarantee you whatever the fentanyl was, it came from China. 98% of the fentanyl that is being caught at our southern border its original source is China. Here we go again. Biden's in the White House, China, 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 Russia, Ukraine. (laughs) You just can't make this up, folks. All of this points to the responsibility. It should be laid, if not all, most of laid at the feet of this president. And and he and he's Teflon; nothing sticks. Well, election stuff. You know, when we hear the, these things coming out, you, you just you just hate, you just hate to even say anything about it, because when you do, somebody's going to push back and say the big lie, the big lie. But it it was real. And you know, the big one that got all the attention was the one down in Georgia. Well, in the aftermath of that. The Georgia Elections Board has approved a subpoena to secure evidence and testimony into an ongoing investigation and in whether third party liberal activists illegally gathered thousands of absentee ballots in that election back in 2020 and a subsequent runoff that determined that Democrats were going to get control of the center. The vote was a major win for Secretary of State Brad Raffensburger and uh, Georgia who announced the investigation into those ballot harvesting things in January was seeking the subpoena authority to assist in the probe. It will allow Raffensberger's team to secure evidence about a whistleblower who alleged to one election integrity group that he participated in a large operation to gather ballots in which activists were paid 10 bucks for each ballot. They got Now Georgia law prohibits third parties from collecting, gathering, or delivering absentee ballots, except in the case of immediate relatives. Let me just, this is happening, but here's the horror of this whole thing. You know, we've got one going on in Wisconsin, we have one going on in Michigan, we have them going on in Pennsylvania, and there are dozens of cases pending in Texas and other places. Doing it by the structure and in the structure of the law, it takes so freaking long to get to the end of this stuff and get something with which you can take some action. And here's the problem we have an election coming up, midterm election coming up in November. We're going to be lucky if we hear about the 2020 election, any of the specifics that we can say yes before the November election this year. Democrats know that. Democrats know how the legal structure works. And they knew that if they made enough noise, if the media got on their side, which they always are, after the 2020 election, when the big lie was being blasted everywhere, oh, if you, if you support Donald Trump, you're supporting the big lie. And try to put your credibility, obliterate it. Everybody. It was constant, incessant. So, what did everybody do? Everybody just quit talking about it. Well, not everybody, but most people in Washington that are conservatives, they just quit talking about it. I mean, people were losing jobs. People were losing appointments to very prestigious committees over using the big lie, talking about the big lie, talking about there being any possibility that the election results were not the real election results, that they had been manipulated. And, of course, we found out they were. They were manipulated in Georgia. They were manipulated in Michigan. They were manipulated in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But how much does that have to happen before they'll say it made a difference? I, I, I don't think we can go back and change anything in the election results now. It's just too late. But what we need to do is verify and make sure that everyone going forward, every election, is 100% absolutely safe from outside intrusion. It needs to be a process where somebody casts their ballot, the one that they completed, and then that vote is put into a system to be counted and always gets counted the way it was turned in. And that the announced results parallel the real results every time. We got to have that, folks. We got to have it. What else is happening? I'm, I, as as we sit here, I'm I'm scanning the latest news this morning. Climate change. They're jumping on that bandwagon once again. You can see them move from subject to subject, topic to t- topic, and get into their opposition party mode where anybody that disagrees with them, they immediately label you and dismiss you and tell everybody you're not telling the truth. Well, they don't tell the truth. Climate lies are abundant and everywhere. And it's like if we don't listen to the Democrat of the day, whoever it is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, John Kerry, President Biden, whoever it is, when they start opening their mouths and talking about climate change, they're talking about something that is the big lie. So what are you talking about, Dan?
4: We're here today because the world is on fire, because the climate crisis is causing people in this country and around the world to be displaced from their homes, their jobs, their communities because generations before us made bold investments to give us the first solutions to this crisis. President Biden has made it very clear, we must act and we must act now. So the Biden-Harris administration is mobilizing every possible innovation to save our kids and our planet.
10: You know, there have been significant breakthroughs delivered, right, in physics. Um, We've developed uh, technologies to... Uh, allow us to heat and to control plasmas that uh, are ten times hotter than the center of the sun. So um, you know we we believe that we are really um, making progress. We're seeing close to ignition. Um, we know that this is happening, but we also know that um, you know even when you get close to ignition or ignition, it's going to take time before this is commercialized, right? And I I think about the president's goal of getting to 100%, for example, clean electricity by 2035, beyond this decadal vision. And wow, it would be amazing if fusion were part of what I call the silver buckshot of, uh, not silver bullet, but silver buckshot of getting to that clean energy future. We hope that's what we're striving for. Um, But by 2050, for sure this has to happen.
9: So how is it that the environmental benefits of fusion motivate students to join the community? Was that your own personal motivation or, you know, is it watching sci-fi films?
10: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what an amazing morning indeed. Energizing, right? And fusion promises to be a clean source of energy for the future. It will enable us to address our climate crisis, ensure U.S. science and technology leadership, and now let's get to work.
1: They seem so in tune. They, they just got it. They're, they're in tune now. In other words, we've got them thinking like we think. We've got them hooked. They're hooked on the climate change stuff. Literally, this is nothing but blather. And they keep moving the targets on us. You remember just a few years ago, What's the fundamental objective of climate change activism? What are we trying to do? What are the results we're seeking? And those quote-unquote scientists actually came up with this. By the end of the century, we want to have dropped the average client on the planet, climate on the planet by a little bit less than one degree. In other words, the average temperature. The average temperature, nation by nation, all of them rolled in, put in an algorithm, and the average to be that we reduced the daily average temperature by less than 1%. What does that mean to you? That means between here and the end of the century, which I'm not going to be around. I would imagine that most of you aren't going to be around, but whoever is around are going to bask in the fact that we spent trillions, tens of trillion dollars by that time, and we've reduced the temperature by less than one degree. Well, then when they realized <laughs> nobody's buying this, they changed it as they always do. Now they're looking at being energy carbon proof. In other words, no carbon emission whatsoever. We've converted totally to renewable energy. And all that stuff that's in the ground, we're just going to forget about it. We're going to leave it there because it's bad. That's what's destroying our climate. You know, what it does, it, it gives you a, a a place to stand so you can get on your bully pulpit and talk about things that are absolutely untrue and unproven and unprovable because it is all about nature. And you cannot, nobody can control the climate. Pollution, yes. Emissions, yes. And as a matter of fact, over the last 20 years, the United States annually has reduced our emissions, our carbon emissions, more than any other country on the planet. Every year we've reduced them. And we're continuing to do that. While these climate idiots are saying what we're doing is not enough, it wouldn't matter if we did 50% better. They would say anything that we do is not enough. We need to turn over all our money and all our authority to the climate gods and let them just make us safe for generations and centuries to come. That, my friends, is part of the big lie. If it's true, show us, and don't get a bunch of leftist politician, scientist up there that are going to give the political pandering, that's not what I'm talking about. Show us, give us actual proof that positively says, we need to do this and here's what we need to do it. And folks, there's there's a li- two lines out there that at some point they cross. The actual climate and the politics, the science of it. Those things cross at some point. What we haven't been able to do or what nobody's bothered to do is to tell us where those points are and what each of them's level needs to be at. I mean, if you talk if you talk to climate scientists, you can talk to 100 of them, 50% are going to say you can't change anything in the climate. You can do better in controlling emissions, but you can't, change the climate the other half are the hardcore sick offense climate changers not only can we change it they say if we don't change it the earth is going to go down and be done at some point we won't be able to live on what's left and the turn of the century is the big spot where they are preaching every day if you don't listen to us if we don't change to 100% renewable energy, we're all going to die. Of course, they've never given us a change to plan. They throw up some turbine energy windmills, a bunch of solar panels, and that's supposed to do what we need to do? Absolutely won't. They won't even talk about nuclear. Do you know that nuclear energy is the most clean climate-based energy on the earth? How long ago was it that we built a nuclear power plant? Think about that through the break. When is the last nuclear power plant built? The most emission free type of power on the planet. I'll tell you when you come back.
8: Beat yourself up hotline. Mm-hmm up hotline
1: yes
3: sir if you'd like to beat yourself up this is the place to do it
8: okay i'd like to beat myself up now please go right ahead
0: when you're comfortable
8: i am so stupid i can't believe how stupid i am what an idiot i left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again now it's a huge hassle why do i have to do this to myself every year when oh when will i learn
3: you beat yourself up very well sir thanks but maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com.
8: SmartShip.com?
3: Right. Type in your zip code, and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping,
9: even at the last minute.
8: Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's
0: a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done.
7: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
5: Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water.
0: You're separating truth from scare tactics, freedom from fascism, and your warrior on point, again,
1: Dan Newman. Climatologist. Who are they? Anybody that thinks that we need to change the world. Climate change will save us. and It'll resolve every problem we have. We will have no more crime, no more economy issues, no more war. We just got to get climate change. Well, the newest reactor, not power plant, not nuclear power plant, but the single newest reactor to enter service was in Tennessee's Watts-Burr unit. And they did that reactor in 2016. But building a nuclear power plant, how long ago? 40 years. 40 years. Why is that? The, these climatologists have flooded the government anytime it was somebody out there seeking a license to build the nuclear power plant and just stopped it. Basically, it can't be done. They'll swarm in there and keep it from being done. Meanwhile, around the world, nations that have these nuclear power plants, especially across Europe, they are assisted in, I mean, unimaginable ways to keep their power constant, no issues whatsoever, and at the same time, fixing the climate, fixing it. Because when you take away a coal-powered plant, any of the other kinds of plant, petroleum product plants, what do you have left? You've got nuclear and the emissions are almost zero. But they don't like petroleum products. They don't like carbon energy products. They don't like, like nuclear, so what's left? You basically have electricity. I've said this before. Just go Google. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be using the term Google when I mean internet search because you can. You've got all kind of uh, search engines. You don't have to use Google. But anyway, go to the internet and Google picture of the mine that mines materials for car batteries. Get that picture and then do an internet search to show the landscape when a completed natural gas well is put online and get examples. What you'll see is the battery operation to get those minerals out of the ground. It's a massive hole in the ground. When I say massive, hundreds of yards across and 100 or 200 feet deep. And they start at the top and they strip it around until they get to the level where the elements are to go in the batteries. It destroys hundreds of acres of land to get those batteries. And they call that environmentally safe? When you look at a finished natural gas well, that is the well, the, the, the uh, rig that dug it, of course, is gone. What's left is a pipe. Sticking up out of the ground, a little one-inch pipe. That's where the gas is pumped out. It's all in the ground, but this pipe comes out, and it has just a notification on the top. There's nothing there, and then all around it, you got nice green grass. Climatology, honestly, it's it's a fraud. It's a fraud. Even if it is real, they're fraudulently using it for nothing more than political ammunition to push and try to talk our nation going 100% petroleum gas, fossil fuel, free. We're never going to get there. They'll never agree to anything that will make it happen. We can't afford it. We're never going to get there, and meanwhile, they just keep talking about how wonderful it is and what we need to do it. Meanwhile, while we're talking energy, Saudi Arabia is on the scene now. They said about an hour ago in a press briefing that it won't be, it won't bear any responsibility. Saudi Arabia won't for a shortage in our global oil supplies. That's after a fierce barrage of attacks by Yemen's Houthi rebels affecting production in the kingdom, which is the world's largest oil exporter. Now, this is kind of a caustic re- warning, uh, warning by Saudi Arabia. It marked a departure from their huge oil producers' typically cautious statements. The Saudi officials remain aware that even their smallest comments can swing the price of oil and Rattled global markets. Statement comes as the kingdom remains lockstep with OPEC and other oil-producing countries in a deal that they're limiting increases in production and as energy prices go higher and higher in the middle of the war in Ukraine. Already Americans have had to pay record-breaking prices at the pump for gas. So the Saudi Arabia state-run press quoted the foreign ministry as saying that the international community got to assume its responsibility to maintain energy supplies in order to stand against the Houthi rebels. Those repeated attacks will affect the kingdom's production capacity and its ability to meet its obligations. They added the security and stability of energy supplies to the global markets are being uh, assaulted now. We got to make sure it doesn't happen. Benchmark Brent crude this morning, $112 a barrel in trading when the market's open today. Energy is, and energy is going to continue to be, a problem. Of course, that's why the climate, uh, what do you want to call them, narcissists keep going crazy over and over and over in our faces. I would love to have an electric car. Uh, Over in Europe, a lot of Uber Blacks, or Teslas, and I'm only—that's the only place I've ever been in a Tesla—is in the back seat of one, the big one. I forget what the number of it is. It's incredible, smooth, writhing. It's—it's it's quiet, and obviously it's very fuel efficient. And all you do is plug it up to one of those. I would love to have that, but if we do that, folks, we're still going to have the same or worse problems with our climate because of what it takes to build them. You can Do you understand the size and how many batteries are necessary to fuel an electric car? And here's the big kahuna that nobody, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. I live in a subdivision that's relatively very new. Infrastructure of all kinds. We've got underground Wi-Fi wiring and cable wiring, internet, and all of those kinds of things. Just very nice. You know, one of those nice subdivisions and it, it we have million, two million dollar homes here but most of the homes that are in our subdivision are middle American homes upper middle American do you know that even with that, this subdivision being here five, six, seven years total the electric infrastructure here will not support the charging stations that would be necessary if everybody in here had one electric vehicle there's no subdivision on earth that i know of yet that's planned when it's built to do just that so what do you do to build it up it would be a massive job to do it in my subdivision because underground is where the electric has got to go none of it is wired there is no not nearly enough electricity enough power coming into the subdivision in the first place so it would, it would go from the top to the bottom of the electric infrastructure in the nation. It would cost trillions and trillions of dollars to do it. Right now, you got one or two. I think we have three or four in the subdivision. That's okay. But we are so far under capable of providing f- one subdivision with electricity even if we install charging stations at every house they wouldn't work because there wouldn't be enough power nobody talks about that bloomberg's news published an article the end of last week that offers tip for all of us working americans who are struggling to handle inflation nobody's nobody's bulletproof we're all getting hit somewhere if 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 it's not in your gas for your car for your diesel for your truck that you drive cross country it's going to be at the grocery store even the hospital everything in price has gone up so Bloomberg put a story out there telling Americans who were struggling with inflation hey novel idea allow your pets to die so that you don't have to pay for their expensive medical treatments they actually said that folks Other tips include to deal with gas prices. It's worth reconsidering public transportation if it's an option where you live. Fares are up about 8% compared with 38% for gas. Now, maybe the the only time, the best time to sell your car, get rid of it. It certainly isn't the time to buy a new or used one. Prices have stabilized a little bit, but have you priced a used car lately? I mean, that costs the same thing as new cars. You can't get new cars. They're all because of inflation just going through the roof. And then it comes to food prices for animal-based food products. They're going up Ukraine and Russia supplies a significant amount of corn and barley to the whole world, mainly to feed livestock for human food. Meat prices have increased about 14% from February last year. And they're going up every day. Though your palate may not be used to it, tasty meal substitutes include vegetables where prices are up a little over 4%, plan to cut out the middle creature and consume plants directly. It's a more efficient, healthier, and cheaper way to get calories. Officials, the figures showed earlier this month that prices jumped 7.9% in February, the highest rate of increase in four decades. Now the UN chief, Guterres, he's got the solution. He says, we all just need to endure high gas prices and do it for the good of the planet. If countries become so consumed by the immediate fossil fuel supply gap that they neglect or kneecap cap policies to cut fossil fuel use, a climate disaster is the guaranteed outcome if we do that. The invasion of Ukraine has seen rapid rises in the prices of coal, oil, and gas as countries scramble to replace Russian sources, but Guterres fears these short-term measures might just close the window. we got a window here. Close the window on the Paris climate goals. (laughs) That's what we need to do. We need to get in cahoots with all those countries over there and fix the climate, forget about China and India, the two biggest climate detractors on the planet by far. But we're going to have a deal, the Paris Climate Accords. We all just send money. Just send money. Just send some more money. That's the answer. In his first major speech on climate, Gutierrez lamented the limited progress achieved in Glasgow is insufficient to ward off dangerous climate change. He said carbon output needs to be cut in half by the end of this decade. You can't do it, folks. We keep hearing these, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. Don't do this. We hear all of that, but nobody comes forward with the plan that puts on the table and says, look, here's how we do this. Here's the timing it takes. Here's the cost to do this. If it was credible, if it was realistic, if it was something we could do and change for the betterment of the planet, we'd be all for it in the U.S. You know that. The problem was not solved in Glasgow. In fact, the problem is getting worse. This is Guterres speaking. The war in Ukraine threatens to make that situation even more problematic, he said, with global energy shortages being turned around by countries that embrace coal or imports of liquefied natural gas as their alternative resources. Some globalist ag- agencies have already said walking rather than driving must be considered an alternative in times of fuels shortages. Very simply, here's the easy, the best, the most beneficial way to do it. And we need to do something. We need to make this work. Is to come up with a way to reduce the fossil fuel problems, emissions. How do you do that? You increase every year like we've always done the emissions that are emitted by cars, by factories, trains, by everybody who uses them. We continue to make that better. And until we get a deal that we can agree on, whatever the energy sources that are included in that deal, if they put a plan together that will reduce dramatically everything to do with emissions, everything across the board, a real plan, and here's how we're going to stage it to get to where we have to go long-term if that's 2035 if it's 2040 2050 even all the way up to the turn of the century put a plan in front of us and th- show us teach us and tell us how it's going to work we're not stupid we can pick all that up we've got it figured out um but we don't have we don't have any any positive ways to make a transition. You can't, as we've seen happen. What they're trying to do is make us jump just at one time. Stop doing fossil fuels. Stop driving your car. Stop driving your truck. Forget about the cost. Forget about the problems that it causes you. you got to get in line. Do you know a thought of what, in big cities at least, this is all about? The hardcore climate folks they want the, suburb, the suburbs in these cities to disappear. They want everybody to move into downtown areas and just let the suburban areas go. Why? They want driving. They want cars. They want our insistence to have our own vehicles. They want them gone. They want to control all of our transportation sources, which would be buses in taxis or whatever other kind of uh, transportation there is out there. They just don't like the fact that people have cars. <laughs> I, You know, I, I just don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. So why don't we take a listen to Biden's roadblocks to producing energy independence in America? You want to hear that?
6: All right, the key to saving Ukraine in defeating Putin. Check out this foxbusiness.com op ed that says, quote, Interested in ending Putin's reign of terror in Ukraine as the world's largest geopolitical threat? Unleash Pennsylvania's extraordinary amount of clean, efficient natural gas. The writer of that op ed joins us now, Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor. Victoria, thanks for joining me. Um, so give it to me. What do you mean by this, uh, this op ed?
4: Well, greetings from Philadelphia, Sean, the birthplace of American liberty. Yes. And Jennifer and I said in in the op-ed, Pennsylvania now has the potential to be ground zero in another revolution for the United States, which would be an energy revolution. It's what we started in the Trump administration. We all saw the benefits of it. And it's what we can do now to most clear, clearly disadvantage Vladimir Putin and help our friends and allies and keep everybody here at home plentifully supplied with energy.
6: You know, sometimes we think of North Dakota, we think of Texas, but you're right, Pennsylvania has a massive amount of energy that we could access. What roadblocks have the Biden administration put up for us to access that energy, or even New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania state governments? You know, what roadblocks do we have? What has to be cleared out so we can get that energy?
4: It's been a a clear and concerted campaign to stop what's been developing in Pennsylvania. We are fortunate compared to New Jersey and New York in that we have a wonderful legislature that's been fighting Governor Wolf in Harrisburg and fighting against the Green New Deal policies coming out of Washington. But we have situations like the Mariner pipeline coming uh, coming from the Marcellus Shale here to Philadelphia to the Marcus Hook development Our attorney general, Josh Shapiro, who is running for governor, he is the Democrat candidate, he's running unopposed in the primary, filed 48 uh, charges against energy transfer, just a poor private industry business out of Texas that came up to build this pipeline that takes gas to Marcus Hook to be exported to Europe. They delayed it three years. They're turning it into a criminal enterprise to actually harvest our energy needs. And so that's what has to change.
6: So, Victoria, I think it's important to note the national security implications of American energy and what it does to Putin. And that's what you did in the ed But I also look at Pennsylvania and say, It is a great economic driver. It's a great income source for a lot of employees. In my old congressional district, you don't see all the places that energy touches, but we had the best fracking sand in northern Wisconsin. And so we opened up these mines, and there was huge development, and people had good paying jobs to get the great, great round, hard sand that we could then send out to use for fracking. Talk about the economic impact of energy in Pennsylvania and for the country as a whole.
4: No, it's it's enormous for our state, and we would love to partner with our friends in Wisconsin. And, and heck, I'd love to partner with our friends in New York and New Jersey. There's no reason they shouldn't be prospering from this as well. Marcus Hook is a great example. It's in Philadelphia. It was a blighted urban uh, area. Now it's it's humming uh, the industrial zone down there, and they should expand that port. And so many Ameri- or Pennsylvanians, rather, could, could be prospering. And Pennsylvania is also one of our nation's largest electricity exporters. We were able to send electricity to our friends in Texas last year during the big freeze when a renewable source couldn't function during extreme weather circumstances. And so that's what we need to expand in Pennsylvania, not, not dampen it down.
6: So, Victoria, if you had the pipeline in place, if, if, if the permits weren't a problem, the pipeline was built, um, and you were able to get that gas over to Europe, could that take care of Europe's dependence on Russian energy?
4: It would certainly go a long way. I mean, Pennsylvania is a huge piece. We have the passes in Louisiana, those export facilities being expanded, Corpus Christi and uh, Port Arthur in Texas. We, it, what we should be doing is fast-tracking all of these projects, starting here in Pennsylvania, which has the easiest route across to Europe, uh, but unleash all of it, all of the above. Uh, the, the thing that's different now, seven years ago today, Sean, Putin annexed Crimea, and there was barely a peep out of the international community now you have broad international condemnation you have private industry like shell and exxon abandoning russia why because he doesn't have a stranglehold on the energy markets anymore and he knows it and so for the administration and our local governments to step back from taking that leverage is really really shameful it's what we can and should be doing to help the people of ukraine
6: Victoria, we could only hope that the Biden administration would streamline our oil and gas. I don't think it's happening anytime soon. I think they've sold out to the green wing of the Democrat Party. And so I don't think we're going to get relief until there's a new president in the White House. And it's sad. But listen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for your perspective.
1: No doubt about it, folks. Making this all work in our energy independence in the United States, which we've got to do. We've done it before. And it didn't take a long time to get there. I mean... Donald Trump came into office three and a half years later. We're energy independent. We could do it, but we just don't do it. The power in charge does not want to go down that road. And they give us no explanation of what we can do right now today in place of fossil fuel. I just do not get it. Well, they've started the Senate hearing of the nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court. The empty seat's not empty yet. Stephen Breyer will retire at the end of this term, and he'll be replaced by somebody. And, of course, Joe Biden is the president, and he's got the nomination. So, regarding that, we've got the first bit of news to come out of that uh, first confirmation hearing. I want to get you up to date. We're going to do this kind of going forward, Uh, this week. Today's only the introductions. They get into the heated stuff tomorrow and on Wednesday. We'll have all of that for you, but the first stuff coming up, we want to let you know about that. Back after this to get right into that.
9: Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. Language for Life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's babel.com, Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot
0: Welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? I'm here for the most wanted. Sorry, sir. Can you repeat that? The gang known as the Western Whopper. Ah, you mean our new Texas barbecue beef bacon and sweet Carolina Whoppers, right?
10: Yes, I need them now.
0: Try the new Texas barbecue beef bacon or our tasty honey mustard sauce on our sweet Carolina Whoppers at your nearest BK today. Burger King, have it your way.
9: Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's.
0: The new home of craftsmen. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are? TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: Well, we just got some good news about the fossil fuel stuff going on. Top Biden administration officials, we are told, are meeting today with executives from banks, from oil companies, and other firms to talk about the impact from the Russia-Ukraine war on the sanctions from the U.S. and its European allies. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she's kind of been the big cog in the wheel of keeping this slowed down. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese, and Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo are going to host an in-person, off-the-record discussion later this afternoon with companies representing banking clean energy, oil, food and manufacturing industries, that's according to uh, the White House. Companies attending? ExxonMobil, Phillips, Marathon Petroleum, J.P. Morgan Chase, Visa, Bank of America, Land O'Lakes, Cargill, U.S. Steel, Dow, Patton and Invergy, the, the officials said. They're going to brief the business leaders on the ban of Russian oil, as well as other financial issues, related to the Russian invasion, the U.S. has led a global push to penalize the Kremlin over the invasion of Ukraine, nearly a month ago the biggest attack on a European state in decades. The raft of sanctions from the West includes cutting off a key part of the Central Bank of Russia by preventing it from selling dollars, euros and other foreign currencies in its roughly $630 billion reserve stockpile. That's a lot of money. But you know what? In the context of what we have today and what what is going on in the world around us, $630 billion in reserves, that's not enough is all I can say. <laughs> so that just popped out. We will watch it closely and see if anything comes out of it. I, I just don't know. I don't have any confidence about Janet Yellen. I don't have any confidence in pretty much any appointee in the Biden administration right now. I just don't. Well, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson of the U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C. is Biden's choice to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. She was considered a safe choice for Joe because she passed through her confirmation process for the appellate judge's court last year and also because Biden has stressed the historic nature of her candidacy. Jackson is the first black woman to be nominated to serve on the Supreme Court. But there are a few questions that we think she's got to face. Number one, does she believe current penalties for sex offenders are too harsh? Now, where did this come from? Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri released a list of Judge Jackson's opinions, her writings, and thoughts publicly on the subject last week. was immediately hit with so-called fact checks, few of which could question his facts, but they struggled to provide the context of her views on those cases. Judge Jackson needs to be asked directly why she handed down lenient sentences in some some cases, why she seemed open to reducing sentencing guidelines. Secondly, what does Judge Jackson think of the racial and gender criteria of her own nomination? This is a a really good point. I'm glad he thought of it because I've asked that. I mean, she was nominated from the very beginning, told, point, point blank. Joe Biden told us he was going to nominate a black woman <laughs> without considering anybody else, without considering anybody of color else but her. It's just a pure racist nomination. I I just don't understand how you get around that. I don't think you do. Third, Does Judge Jackson support critical race theory? Two years ago, she gave a speech at the University of Michigan in which she cited Derrick Bell, one of the founders of critical race theory, as one of her major influences, even citing his radical book, Faces at the Bottom of the Well. Does she agree with critical race theory that America is fundamentally racist, that our Constitution is racist, and that racism persists? in nearly all of our institutions, private and public? Does she agree with the 1619 Project, that America was founded on slavery? Does she believe, as Black Lives Matter does, that police are guilty until proven innocent? Does she believe abortion has had a disproportionate impact on the black community? Does she believe that the court should remain at nine justices, Does she believe the Iran deal is constitutional if it does not go to the Senate? Are liberal judges abusing the Chevron Doctrine? Now, let me just give you a little explanation of this. It, It seems to be an obscure doctrine, the Chevron Doctrine. It was handed down by the court, the Supreme Court, in Chevron USA versus NRDC case back in 1984. It's a major problem. It gives the executive branch the power to interpret legislative statutes and requires the judiciary to defer to the executive branch opinion. Some research has shown that while conservative judges stick to the rule as president, liberal judges are more likely to overturn conservative policies, should the court therefore end that doctrine. And the tenth. Can we have a rule of law with an open border? (laughs) Wow, that's a question she's got to face. We've seen some 2 million migrants flood into our country across our southern border since Biden took office. His administration has repeatedly lied to the public, saying that the flood is seasonal, or that arrested migrants show up for their court dates. Given this flagrant ongoing abuse of the legal system, including the immigration courts, is the crisis on the southern border a threat to the rule of law which Judge Jackson must uphold? There are other questions, too, whether she's willing to follow Breyer's example of upholding religious liberty, whether she will support the court's previous decisions that uphold the Second Amendment, and even whether she thinks the court ought to have taken up the 2020 election challenges, which could at least have set some doubts aside. It's going to be up to the Republicans in the Senate to find the courage to confront this historical nominee, risking charges of sexism and racism and the challenges to her on her own views. There's no question, you and I both know, anybody that asks a question that confronts her during this nomination process is going to immediately be painted as a racist, and their questions, whatever they are. If they don't fall into the line of what the accepted thing to talk and ask an African-American woman running for any office in the country, they don't even give a rip that it is the president, not, uh, the, the uh, judgeship of the U.S. Supreme Court. Probably no other more powerful seat in the United States than this, uh, is the presidency. Hey, don't forget, if you miss a show, if you miss a part of any show, you want to grab one, you got a lot of places to get it. You can go to, to Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, Stitcher podcast, Google podcast, TuneIn podcast, even Facebook. It goes up on my Facebook page shortly after each show is done. You can come grab one, download it, share it with a friend, any, any way you want to listen to it. Any, one you, any way you want to deal with it. So we got a big week ahead. Energy, very important. Fossil fuel energy, some kind of trans um, transmission, a way to get away. We're going to transfer and morph into whatever it is we're going to morph into. We got to talk about that. And of course, I think this, um, this thing in Ukraine is going to ramp up. I don't know how much, I don't know when, but I think Vladimir Putin is getting to the point where he's got to do something to either make it go and make it go to winning, or just to stop, come to some kind of a peace agreement with Ukraine. That's the one I prefer, but he doesn't speak to me. We'll be here every day this week, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Make sure you join us. Thank you for doing so. You have a great day.
8: His trembling hands held the church pew that day. Struggling to stand when they asked him to pray. With wisdom and strength, his words were spoken. But his body grew weary, for his wings were broken. But he will fly once again. He will soar with his wings on.